This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Doctored videos claiming to be real-time combat in Ukraine have garnered millions of views on TikTok. False Russian media reports about the war are circulating Twitter and Facebook. And Vladimir Putin has used YouTube to reach millions. As much as tech companies and the U.S. government have tried, war-related disinformation is shaping the way that people across the world view the war in Ukraine. Politico tech reporter Rebecca Kern joins us now to explain. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. So before we get into specific examples of what we're seeing online, can you lay this out for us? What's the difference between misinformation and disinformation? It's a good question, and they sometimes get confused. So misinformation is false information that's spread that from without the intent to, do, to deceive um, intentionally, mm-hmm. whereas disinformation is false and inaccurate information that is intended to deceive. Gotcha. So give us some examples then of Russian-backed disinformation that's circulated on social media sites since the invasion uh, started two weeks ago. Right. Well, it actually all started a, a long time before that, but um, Russian state-backed media outlets, which were also spread on their accounts on U.S.-based social media um, platforms like Facebook and Twitter, um, were building a case to justify invading Ukraine, saying that um, you know hundreds of Russians in the separatist uh, regions were were being killed. There was genocide that neo-Nazis were running Ukraine, all false disinformation that that has continued to reverberate around the globe and um, trying to basically um, imply that Ukrainians were leading a Russia to enter the war uh, versus what we've seen is Russia is the aggressor. So uh, that Russia had to invade to, to basically support these Russians in the separatist regions and, and, you know, save them from the Ukrainian aggressors, which we have seen the U.S. government and many Western um, governments say is all false and disinformation. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds very different than the narrative we know now. So how do we know which one is correct? Which one is true? Yeah, it's it's a good question, and it puts a lot of individuals online in, in a tough position to, to determine what is truth and not. Um, but there's a lot of open intelligence out there and, and analysts that are verifying information and um, saying what is true and not. So, you know, best not to believe and retweet everything you read online. Um, Twitter's been labeling anything that is from a Russian news outlet as being funded by the Kremlin, by the Russian government. So they're stepping in, Facebook's stepping in, they're trying to label news that's coming straight from Russian um, outlets mm-hmm. because we know that's propaganda. So that's good to look for as a consumer when you're reading news to know where it's coming from and not just take it as face value. Are any other tech companies responding to that spread of disinformation besides Facebook? Yeah, they've all they've all had to step up a lot of efforts. We were trying to get them to talk to us before the invasion, which seemed very imminent for a long time. 
about their playbooks and they were really not responsive. And then once Russia invaded, they've been more forthcoming on actions they're taking. And and it's it's labeling. It's also um, because uh, Europe has sanctioned um, RT Russia Today and Sputnik. That's two of the biggest Russian-based and Kremlin-funded news outlets. They are now not allowing those. Um, They're blocking RT and Sputnik, uh, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter and YouTube in Europe. So you can't find that news directly, at least on social media. and on those platforms. So so they're taking more aggressive steps almost every day to, to try to dispel and stop this Russian-based disinformation. It's just kind of hard to stop it. So what they're also trying to do is use their algorithms to reduce engagement, to reduce the spread of it, which they can do through um, artificial intelligence and their platforms. Um, but there's still so much of it. They're really having to stay on top of it every second. Mm-hmm. What are some other efforts at, at reining in disinformation? Because I'm understanding that the Treasury Department has also taken yeah. action. What's the story there? Yes, yes. So the U.S. has stepped up, like I mentioned, Europe first sanctioned um, RT and Sputnik, which were the largest Russian-funded news outlets. Treasury has not gone that far. Um, some argue it's because of the First Amendment and RT and Sputnik have U.S. offices, so it's a little difficult to just censor certain outlets here. But what they've done is gone after 11 Russian intelligence-funded and directed disinformation outlets. They're kind of like shell companies mm-hmm. that claim to be news outlets, but they're really not. They're just viewing Russian disinformation and propaganda, and they don't have U.S. bases, or they're all basically based in Europe and and Russia. So it was easier for Treasury to sanction these outlets, and they're saying, you know, you can't have any assets in the U.S., et cetera. Um, that's That's kind of the strongest action we've seen from our U.S. government, though, when it comes to directly going after these Russian shell companies that are claiming to be news. What would you say social media companies are doing that just isn't working? I think they're put in a very difficult spot, right? So um, I think they're kind of trying to do the best they can. I think there could have been, and I'm not in the rooms when these decisions are made, but some have criticized them for not investing enough in non-English-based content moderation. So individuals who speak other languages around the world and can read this disinformation coming in the native dialect of, say, Ukrainian and Russian. Facebook came forward, like I mentioned, after the invasion started, saying we have on-the-ground experts who speak Russian and Ukrainian who are working to dispel and stop this disinformation. They would not share with us how many individuals, how long they've been in the country, how long they've been tracking, how much they're funding these efforts. So while they say they're working on it, it's there, there's not a lot of transparency about you know, the extent or the um, amount or percentage that they, they dedicate to this. There's been long reporting that the majority of their content moderation efforts where they, you know, work to remove and, and label misinformation, disinformation mm-hmm. has been primarily focused on English language. But we're seeing, at least with Russian Ukraine, this is not all in English. It's mainly in Russian and Ukrainian. And that has you know, some detrimental effects if you don't have enough staff 
on the ground who speak those languages to stop it. So I can't say how much they're spending on this, but they've not been forthcoming that this has been the priority till we are till the invasion. Yeah. And and some of what you're talking about is causing, you know, social media companies like TikTok to falsely remove videos. Is that right? It's it's that's also a problem because, you know, you worry about overextending and taking things down that you maybe have perceived as misinformation and then you you maybe go too far. So yes, there there are instances where maybe certain videos shouldn't have been review, removed and this has happened for certain individuals and leaders in Europe who were some of their tweets were taken down because like I've said they've deployed a lot of AI which is computer-based algorithms that like search for certain words in your your tweets or your videos and if if it's going that far they may take it down so it can go both ways right but I think the the goal of the company is to take down the wrong information. Sometimes they don't get it right, and there's a process to adjudicate an appeal. Obviously, if you feel like your your tweet or your video was removed inappropriately, but yeah, it, it's a it's a live. Um, obviously, the war is ongoing, and it's a, it's something that these companies are having to do in real time. And, For sure, and um, it's hard to know how many resources they've dedicated. I imagine it's increased over the last you know, 10 to 12 days. But, um, you know, they're U.S.-based companies with a global reach, and I think we're seeing the global part maybe wasn't funded as much till now. So, Rebecca, how can media consumers be critical of the information that they see online and also accurately determine what's fabricated and what's actually legit? That's a really good question because we've been seeing a lot of what we call cheap fake videos um, where um, they're not they're not real and right at the beginning of the invasion um, several open source intelligence analysts online if there's there's several that Twitter has created a great list of um, experts in Ukraine and Russia to follow so I'd, I'd look for that as an individual so it, that fills your feed with authentic truthful information so look for the experts on the ground look for verified accounts like with the blue check mark so these are journalists who are with a you know legit news outlet and if you're not looking for false information i would not look to rt and sputnik with which are russian-based um social you know not they're their media and then they also have social media presence mm-hmm. um and, and, and just be careful what you retweet. Um, Twitter puts interstitials, which are basically um, a little um, box that comes up and says, have you read this article before you retweet it? Click through to the article. Be sure you're aware. Like, be a, um, a cognizant consumer. Be sure you're aware of what you're sharing and have read the article before you share it because then you will often be um, unknowingly spreading misinformation if you haven't yourself verified the news. So the companies are trying to add these new safety features that make it a little stickier, a little harder for you to just retweet something without first reading it. Um, But it it comes down to knowing journalists and um, verified news outlets to, to get your news information from, first and foremost, I would say. And as a journalist, are you taking some of your own advice, Rebecca? What, what are yeah, ways that you fact check? I'm trying to be more careful about what I retweet as well. I, I mean, I find, you know, these these interstitials reminding me to read the article. So I click through, you know, we're all very, you know, fastly looking at a headline. and But you want to know the source before you share anything. And I think as a journalist, I have, 
even a greater responsibility because if people are following me and then resharing what I share, you know, I think everything has a lot of weight. And especially online, we don't all take the time to read what it is we are sharing. And um, just as an example, at the beginning, I didn't retweet it, luckily, but we're just seeing all these videos Mm -hmm. of, you know, the, the, the fighter pilots and the tanks coming into Ukraine from Russia, supposedly, and then it was debunked. Some of those were videos from a video game (laughs) and a war game, and some of them were videos from an explosion in China years ago that were just being shared widely online. And they're so careful. Excellent, you know, people identifying that quickly and saying, don't do this. And, And luckily, Twitter did remove them. But it's all about taking the time to read what you're sharing. Yeah, great reporting. That was Politico tech reporter Rebecca Kern. Thanks for chatting with us, Rebecca. Thanks so much, Sasha. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.